Well, good morning. It is good to be with you all. And um, Adam said I should take at least 20 minutes to introduce my family. But uh, no, it takes a little while. There's, um, we're blessed with eight children. My wife Joyce and I have been married now 34 years. And we're very blessed in that way. Katie, as you've seen here, Katie and Aaron and the girls. Um, so we've been by a few times. A lot of times it's usually just Joyce because I usually have to take off for Sundays. But um, our oldest son, Tyler, has his wife, Allison. They have a baby girl named Maisie, a year and a half old. And they live in Gillette, Wyoming. He's an occupational therapist there. And, uh, and then you've, you've met Brett before. Um, he's here. Um, Kyle, our son Kyle, just got married a month ago almost today um, to Maggie Holt, and they now live in Fargo. Um, and then it's Ryan just graduated and is uh, planning on going to US- University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire next year for music education. Um, Seth is 16. He'll be a junior next year. Uh, who's after Seth? Ellie. Ellie is 13 going on 25. A normal teenager. No, she's a wonderful young lady. And uh, Levi, if you remember, when we left here 10 years ago, Levi had just been born and now is 10. So we finally are out of single digits in our house. But it is a blessing for us to be with you here this morning. And it's a joy for me to be able to share God's word. It feels a little different. And it is so fun when you guys got to be able to meet here. I still remember setting things up down in the gym and uh, being a part of all that, and there was some neat times to that as well, but it is a blessing to see this space. The last time I spoke in here a sermon, so to speak, was to the teachers of Heritage Christian Academy in the old library that was here, and uh, we were getting ready for the second school year and different things that way, but that is a joy. If you'd open your Bibles again and take a look at Psalm 115. I thought about just pulling out an older sermon and giving you one of my best type of thing, but uh, I was at camp last week, uh, Galilee Bible Camp up in Lake Bronson, and uh, knew I had to get something into Mary Jo pretty quick and was praying about it, and this is the psalm that came to mind, um, or God directed me to, so it's God's Word, and that's the key today as we look at things. You know that the book of Psalms is the psalm book, it's the song book for the Hebrew people. They would sing the songs and and do the different things um, along those lines. And, oh, there we go. Get my notes right. Uh, Do you know that in our hymnal, there's a a front page before the hymnal, and there's a quote from Martin Luther about songs and about music. Music is powerful, isn't it? It was to the Hebrew people, and it is to us. We use music. Music is not the high point of the service, because the Word of God is the high point of the service. It's what needs to be shared. But music is quite a thing. And Luther's quote, if you ever get a chance to look in the front of the hymnal, you can check it out there, but it goes like this. Luther said, I wish to see all arts, principally music, in service of him who gave and created them. Music is a fair and glorious gift of God, he said. I would not for the world forgo my humble share of music. Singers are never sorrowful but are merry and smile through their troubles in song. Music makes people kinder, gentler, more staid and reasonable. And this is what he said. He said, I am strongly persuaded that after theology, there is no art that can be placed on a level with music 
For besides theology, music is the only art capable of affording peace and joy in the heart. The devil flees before the sound of music almost as much as before the word of God. And it's an amazing thing to have these psalms. I don't know how many times you go to the psalms, but David in his psalms, the sons of Korah and the other psalm writers are just open and honest with God. This psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 15, is known as one of the hallelujah psalms. Now, you know what the word hallelujah means, right? Hallelujah. Praise be to the Lord. And by the way, it's okay to answer me when I do rhetorical questions on occasion. Um, Praise be to God. And that word, hallelujah, is one of the words that's almost the same in every language. It's one of those words that can do that. Now, if we were at Bible camp right now, I'd have a sing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's always a fun one to do, right? And we do three parts. You ever do the three parts? Somebody does the hallelujah and then the yah. Yah is the word for God. And it's always a wonderful thing to do. And as we look at this psalm, we get right to it. Now, Psalm 115 being a part of these hallelujah psalms, the people of Israel, they would use this psalm in connection with the feasts. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Pentecost. And any type of dedication they would do, they would sing this psalm. It's kind of interesting that today, I didn't know that you guys were going to have communion today, but very likely when they were celebrating Passover, Jesus and the disciples back in Matthew 26 Jesus gives the words of institution, gives his body and blood, as he notes to his disciples. And then it says in verse 30 of Matthew 26, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is most likely the hymn or the song that they sang in response. Hallelujah. After the Passover, being reminded of years ago, the angel of death passing over, the blood of the Lamb saving them. Today, we get that remembrance as well. And even more than that, Jesus gave his very body and blood. And I don't understand how all that occurs, but we will hear those words when Adam says them later on here as he quotes Scripture, this is my body. This is my blood. And for those who come, as we come in sinners of need of God's grace, we can say hallelujah, can't we? Glory be to God. And that's the key to this psalm, and it's the title I've given here, here with things. We, and the question I ask as we start is we'll sing the, look at this psalm. We're not going to sing it. I'm not going to make up a tune here today. But why give glory to God? We know it's God's name, first of all. And in our world today, it seems like foolishness at times to give glory to God. To recognize that there is one true God. It's a different thing in our world today. Back in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet said, therefore, or God said to Ezekiel, he said, therefore, say this to the house of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, God said. 
which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. And I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. And then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy before their eyes. (laughs) What's in a name? When you use somebody's name, when I see you over here, Joel, when I talk about Joel... I'm talking about everything that he is. That goes back a long ways with us, Joel, doesn't it? When we talk about God, are we talking about everything that he is? To praise his name, to give glory to God. By the way, I just have to tell you, it's fun to have everybody sit close by. Because the church I have out in Rose, it's long and skinny. And there's the, all the good Norwegians that sit in the back. And you have those fun signs that say reserved for small children, families with small children, and it's all the 85-year-olds and plus that sit in them. I like to think they're children along those lines too. But let's look at this. Verse 1, first of all, catch it there as we follow along. Number 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us. <laughs> Quite a phrase. It's not about us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and your faithfulness. That's the first reason that we can give glory to God. Because of His love. His faithfulness. In Psalm 118, verses 2 through 4, often in some Psalms we re, or songs we repeat words, and in those verses it repeats it three times. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. And you know the definition of God's love. In Scripture, it gives it to us. 1 John 3.16. I know John 3.16 does too, but 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. God's love. In our world today, a lot of times people talk about God's love And they use it very flippantly, and they think God is a God of love, so He's not going to allow anybody to go to hell. That's not love. If you just allow everybody to do whatever they want. You parents out there, you understand that, don't you? We don't allow our kids just to do whatever they want because that could get really scary. God's love is a love that gives and has provided a way for us to be with Him. We also see here God's faithfulness. In the book of Lamentations, and maybe you've heard that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's based from Lamentations chapter 3. And it's an interesting portion, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Jeremiah is watching Jerusalem be destroyed. He's preached and preached to the people that destruction would come and it comes. And Jeremiah says these words, he says, because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed. (laughs) For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. I don't know about you, but if I was seeing my house destroyed or things happening, it, it gets hard to say great is your faithfulness, O God. But when we know the love of God and what He's done for us, no matter what may come, 
we begin to understand His faithfulness. By the way, and Paul does this in Romans 3, is God's faithfulness based on us being faithful? Not at all. In fact, he asks that very question. He says, he says um, what if some don't have faith? Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? By no means. Aren't you glad that God's faithfulness isn't based upon us being faithful to Him? There's reasons to give glory to God, isn't there? The second part here, verses 2 and 3. And yeah, we will get through all of this. Don't, don't panic too much. I'll try to keep it under three hours here this morning. Verses 2 and 3, it says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases Him. But their idol... Sorry, just 2 and 3. Where is their God? Another reason we can give glory to God, because He's sovereign. He is God. I'm glad He's God and I'm not. I mean, I have a great name, Todd. It rhymes with God. And by the way, I say this and my kids laugh at this very often because they know I'm going to say it again. It's a great name, but what matters today is not the Word of Todd. It's the Word of God. That's the key as we look at here. And He's God. And, and the people around us, And have you ever had this? Somebody ask you, where is God? And even more personal, where is your God? Where is that one true God? The sons of Korah in Psalm 42.3, they said this, my tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me day and night, where is your God? They've been saying it through the ages, but especially in these last years, people have been wondering, where is God? I buried a 21-year-old last week. Died in a motorcycle accident. And the family, and there's a lot of questions you can ask but where was God then? And the answer is clear throughout Scripture. God was right there. He was right there with her. Where was God on 9-11 when the towers fell? People have asked that. God was there. We don't always understand, but we know that God is with us. Where is God? He's here. He is God. I'll take you to the catechism real quickly. I love how our catechism asks, answers these questions. Question 119 in the little catechism that we use. It says, how do you know there's a God? There's three answers. And you guys sang of it this morning. Um, Emma and Elsie, that was wonderful, by the way. Wherever you are again here, I knew you are over here somewhere. That was perfect for things here. Creation is one of the reasons we know there's a God. The preservation and the order of creation. God shows us even in snowflakes was part of it. I don't know about you, when you go around and see the creation, even people who don't believe that there's a creator God, they see the order that's out there and they search for some way to explain it. 
But it's evident throughout scriptures. Romans 1, 19 through 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. It's right there before us. The second way is our conscience. The Bible says the law of God is written on our hearts. People, even if they don't admit it, they know there's a right and a wrong. It's written on the hearts of men. And so even if they don't admit there's a God, they know there is down deep. And then finally, the Holy Scriptures, of course, tell us of God. Maybe you heard about the little story that's told about God is sitting up in heaven. When a scientist says to God, he says, Lord, we don't need you anymore. Science has finally figured out a way to create life out of nothing. In other words, we can now do what you did in the beginning, God. Oh, is that so? Tell me, God says. Well, said the scientist, we can take dirt and form it into the likeness of you and breathe life into it, thus creating man. And God says, well, show me. That's interesting. Show me. And so the scientist bends down to the earth and starts to mold the soil and God interrupts and says, oh, no, 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 no. Get your own dirt. And we begin to see. God is the Ancient of Days, isn't He? He's God. He always was, always is, and always will be. The reasons we can give glory to Him. Look at verses 4 through 8. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have ears but they cannot hear, noses but they can't smell. They have hands but they cannot feel feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. So will all who trust in them. (laughs) We can give glory to God because He is the true God. Any idol that we put before God (laughs) is not true. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, after he has gone through all of his different things, He begins to praise and glorify God, the King of heaven, because everything God does, he says, is right and all his ways are just. If you want to have some fun sometime, read Jeremiah chapter 10. Read about what idols are like. God uses the words and one of the things that he says from the message, it's like a scare... All these idols, these things we put above God, they're like scarecrows in a cabbage patch. (laughs) They're just straw men. God is God. He's the one true God. Look at verses 9 through 11. We can give glory to God. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear Him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. (laughs) When something gets repeated in Scripture, it usually means you've got to pay attention a bit more. It's like at home when your mom repeats your name twice, right? You better pay attention at that point or when they use your middle name, right? God says it again here. He's their help and shield. And isn't it interesting you notice the house of Israel? 
the house of Aaron. So you Israelites, those who are listening to this, those who are singing about it, you house of Aaron, the priests, you need to pay attention. And then it uses those who fear the Lord. Everybody who trusts in the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an amazing thing, isn't it? You know, some people get confused in the Bible because it says, do not fear sometimes. Then it says, fear the Lord. Well, fear of the Lord is a childlike fear, isn't it? Literally, the definition that we give for that is when we love God so dearly that we wish to do nothing against His will. To trust in the Lord with childlike faith is really what childlike fear is. To trust in the Lord. He is our help and He is our shield. He's our protection and He is there for us. I always like to think of it, the fact that He's in the boat with us no matter what may come. Whether He stops the storms or whether He lets them happen, He is there. The early American Indians had a unique practice of training young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after they learned to hunt and scout and fish, they would put the boys to one final test. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and tribe, but on that night, they would blindfold him, they would take him several miles out into the woods, and when he took off his blindfolds, he would be there in the middle of the thick woods and be just terrified. And he'd have to stay through the night there. Every twig that snapped, you can imagine what it would be like for him. He'd visualize that wild animal ready to pounce. And after what seemed like an eternity as he stood there in the dark, the dawn would break and the first rays of sunlight would enter the interior of the forest. And looking around, the boy would see the flowers, the trees, the outline of the path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he would behold the figure of a man just standing a few feet away from him. His father had been there the whole night. Let me tell you, he who watches over you and me, he never slumbers nor sleeps. Look at verses 12 through 15. Another reason to give glory to God. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We can, we can give glory to God because He will remember us. He will bless us. Well, you guys sang the perfect song this morning, didn't you? He will remember us. And you may wonder, people think that blessings have to be all these wonderful things. If you remember that the blessings of God are, are there every day, even in our worst days, God is there. And you can find a blessing. Verses 16 through 18. 
And with these verses, I want to just simply ask you the question, who gives glory to God? The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to man. They just set it up where God is, what we have. But then verse 17, it's not the dead who praise the Lord. Those who go down to silence, it is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. It's not the dead, but it is you and me. We do. We are the ones who are to give glory to God. I began to think about this a little bit in this regard, and I was reminded of this little story about a tourist that was in Vienna going through a graveyard, and all of a sudden he hears music in the graveyard. So he starts searching for the source of the music, and he finally locates the origin, and it's a gravestone that says Ludwig von Beethoven on it. 1770, 1827. He realized that the music is from the famous Ninth Symphony, but it's being played backwards. Puzzled, he leaves the graveyard. He persuades a friend to come. By the time they get to the grave, it's the Seventh Symphony. And again, it's being played backwards. They go and they get an expert, and when they return, it's the Fifth Symphony, and it's being played backwards. And they don't know what to say. And finally, they get a whole bunch of people to come by. And by that time, it's the third symphony. And it's still being played backwards. And just then, the caretaker of the graveyard ambles up to them as they're all listening to the symphony, second symphony being played backwards. And he says to the, someone in the crowd, asks the uh, caretaker, he says, if he has an explanation for this music and why it's being played backwards. And the, the caretaker says, don't you get it? He's decomposing. We laugh at that. But let me ask you, are we, are we decomposing right now? We are dead in our sins, aren't we? We're dead in our sins without Jesus Christ. And it's not the dead who can... Give glory to God. It's those who are living. Living spiritually in Christ. So let me ask you, are you and me glorifying God with our lives? Are we giving Him the glory today? You know, I use this, and but it's the truth. You know the reason I got up this morning? Not because I knew I'd be preaching here or things that way or that I knew I'd be seeing my grandkids when they woke up. But the reason I could get up this morning is this. And whether, I was a pre- whether I'm a pastor or not, I would be saying the same thing. It's because Jesus did come to this earth. Because Jesus did die in my place for my sin. Because He did rise again to give me that living hope and to give you that living hope in Him. That's why we can give glory to God. Because of Him. Not us. Did you notice what the last line is of the, the psalm? It says, praise the Lord. Guess what word that is? <laughs> hallelujah. By the way, if you ever want to get a Lutheran pastor really excited, say hallelujah during the service. 
but more realistically, may we say hallelujah with our lives because of what God has done and give him the glory. (laughs) Would you pray with me? And then we're going to sing that song that Fanny Crosby wrote so many years ago. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Lord, thank you for your word. And thank you that we can give glory to you because you're God. Lord, you know each heart here today. You know my heart. You know how you're, the different things that each of us has on our mind, the people that we're praying for, the situations that we're dealing with. Remind us again this morning, Lord, that you're there. Thank you for your word, which is so true. And help us by your strength to give glory to you each day. And whatever we do, whether it's running, jumping, and playing, or whether it's doing our work, remind us of who you are and what you've done. And help us to trust in you. And to live for you in the grace and the mercy that you show to us. Thank you, O great God. I pray these things in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen.